look up rather than down on her phone. Today I'm talking to Dan Donoghue, animal manager of the Wildlife Rehabilitation Islands brand new wildlife hospital. Dan is amongst a group of admirable people who this year started the first wildlife hospital in Ireland. The emergency facility is in Garlow Cross, County Meath, in an adapted barn and stables. As the hospital is a 24-7 operation and is only just up on its feet, it was hard for Dan to get a moment to talk on the podcast, but we are very grateful he did to spread this positive news. Thank you to everyone who donated items and money to get this wonderful project off the ground. Hi Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're very, very welcome. Hi Mary, thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you so much. I know you've been very busy. Um, so I think before we ask you anything about yourself, I think you really need to tell us what you've done this year because it's huge and what you've started. And that's, that's how I heard of you. So get, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so um, along with WRI, uh, Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland, um, and Emma Higgs and Aoife McPartland, uh, we kind of came together to, um, you know, there was a, a, last year with COVID, there was a huge amount of calls coming in to rehabilitators around the country and vets and, and other organisations about wildlife in trouble. And it was just all the rehabilitators, including myself, um, were just run off our feet and we just couldn't couldn't fit the amount of animals that were coming in. You know, it was it's just it was huge. Um, so we I had done some work with Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland and under courses and, and helped and worked with, with Emma for a number of years. And also with Aoife and she, we were just, um, Emma just said, you know, we need to do something about this. So she looked into trying to get an emergency site and finally, um, after all that hard work, got a site up here at Garrow Cross in Navan. Um, so we have the emergency interim hospital here um, at Garlow Cross. And we're working from behind a pub in a disused stable box. And we have a lovely ICU unit uh, from a port cabin. And we have a paddock there. And we hope to have the permanent hospital here on site as well in, in the near future as well. And um, we really can't thank the McCarthy family who helped get, get us here and give us the site and, and helped us along to, to get where we are today, you know. So uh -huh. we really are thankful to them. And also just blown away by um, the public and the community around Navin and Mead and further afield that just all seen what we were doing and wanted to help the emails, you know, the phone calls, the texts were just, we were just blown away. We couldn't believe the amount, you know, people donating uh, new fridge freezers, new washing machines, you know, coming and spending days uh, fixing up stables, roofs, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's amazing. been amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing. A whirlwind the last couple of months. Amazing. So it's terrific. Everybody that's helped. Um, well done. And it's Ireland's first wildlife hospital. Yeah, so there's many rehabilitators around the country that have been doing work for years and years, but a lot of them just working from their own uh, private houses and gardens and stuff, and they do fantastic work. And I'm friends with a lot of these people around um, around the country. And this is kind of 
the first kind of dedicated teaching hospital as well. Um, so that's kind of, so we are here obviously to rehabilitate animals, but also to teach rehabilitators, members of the public, vets, vet nurses. So that's kind of why we're the first to do that kind of on a, on a large scale. But that sounds really, really valuable um, so that every other people can get involved and help. We had the Bat Rehabilitation Island on and Susan, who is fantastic, who started her little bat hospital in her garden. And there's various other people around the country. So we give them uh, the kudos that they deserve. But you've oh, really, you know, your group has pulled it together to get the wildlife hospital off the ground. So um, have you got anybody in ICU at the moment? We've lost we've 130 animals here on site. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so you've got you've got a pine martin bit kit. I've been following you on Facebook. You've otters, you've a rabbit, you've little birds. Do you want to go through a few of them? Yeah, so we've from tiny robins to uh, blackbirds, pigeons, lots of raptors in at the moment. Uh, three otters, cubs, um, the pine martin. We have 10 swans, we have 40 ducklings. Um, we have a coos, we have a raven, <laughs> we nearly have them all here, <laughs> which is um, gas. So it's keeping, keeping us all busy. So we have a team of interns um, who, who are here for three months. And they're, again, about teaching these people, you know, all about wildlife rehabilitation, how to care for these animals so they can go on and further in their career and hopefully help wildlife and wherever they might live across the country. And hopefully in years to come, we'll be able to have more international ones. And then we have a, a team of daytime volunteers who might live local and they come and help out um, and do a shift here as well, as well as tradespeople and that, uh, trying to build the hospital. So we're, we're renovating where we are and also hopefully build a hospital and do orphan season here as well so there's lots yeah. going on um, my goodness because I mean the little ones like for instance the little baby otters they're going to need milk every few hours I'm sure a lot of them need feeding every few hours yeah the bit ba like baby birds when they come in some of them need feeding every 10 to 20 minutes oh. from 7 a.m to 10 p.m so we you know um that's a huge commitment and really couldn't do what we do without the fantastic volunteers that we have. Wow, a few, at least they go to bed at 10 p.m. That's a bit of a relief. Yeah, and it's the mammals then that take over and want to be fed all night. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so the hospital is kind of, it's uh, run 24 seven. So as I said, I'm here living on site myself as the animal manager. And then I have a team of interns that live on site as well. So we all take shifts. So it's running 24 seven, somebody's up during the night, taking care of them feeds admitting animals if they need to come in during the night having things ready so it's absolutely 24 7 you know and would one person manage to cover all the feeds during a night or do you need a couple of people at the moment we're just on one so that person starts at 10 o'clock and then finishes at eight and then the other staff come on a quarter to eight and um, so at the moment uh, one person is able to manage that but we will have to increase that over the next couple of weeks. As well. Yeah, I can imagine. And those people obviously will have lovely things to write on their CVs as well at the end of the day. So that's something. Um, do you, what do you need now for the bits you're building? Do you need donations of anything or um, do you want to give a shout out for anything you're looking for? Yeah, we have a wish list on our website. Um, okay. and that's, yeah, so there's lots of different things on that from wood to, you know, even screws and all sorts as well as, animal feed and stuff so there, there is um 
a big wish list on our website, wri.ie. So wri.ie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I put it in the show notes as well, but everybody please go on there and see if you can donate or buy something further to get the hospital up on, off the ground. Um, so we'll just go into a little bit about you, Dan, because I know you're busy. You probably have to go back and feed all the little hundreds of little birds and everything. But how did you get into this line of work? Yeah, I suppose I won't say by accident, but I just as growing up, my father was um, a keen a nature lover and I guess I get it from him and um, my parents were always very encouraging me to do stuff outdoors and I loved being outdoors and where we lived um, people would find like injured birds or injured animals even dogs and cats and they knew that our house was the one to go to so we'd get a knock on the door and have a baby bird or or whatever it would be and we'd take care of it as best we could and that's kind of and I just grew up like that and then I started volunteering um, when I was 17 with the Kildare Animal Foundation every weekend I would go there and I just loved it it's absolutely brilliant and at that time I was working with dogs and cats and then the odd time we would see you know maybe the odd bird come in the odd ferret or rabbit so I was kind of the go-to person then when these weird and wonderful animals would come in and again I'd take them home and um my parents would always uh, look up at the ceiling, but they were always really supportive and um, encouraging to me. Um, and that really, really did help. So then I did my leaving cert, all that. So worked in the Killer Allen Foundation for the summer. And then uh, I was kind of never left, <laughs> really. Um, so I would then, then it was around 2009, 2010, uh, wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland were set up and they invited me on the first ever wild, you know, kind of professional wildlife rehabilitation course in Ireland. There was a group of, I think, 20 people were invited from all over. And a lovely lady named Lynn Miller came over from America and she taught that. And that's where it all the kind of wildlife rehabilitation stuff started um, and on a professional scale there, you know. Fantastic. Do you remember any particular animal from your childhood that touched you or you became particularly friendly with? Um, I would say badgers were always the ones that kind of caught my eye and always kind of, you know, I felt some kind of attachment to them, you know, and I always I got in touch with Badger Watch Ireland and um, a lovely lady, Bernie, there. And she, again, was always very encouraging to me. Um, so I just think the Badgers always were getting such a bad name and everyone would say it's such horrible things about them and I just seem to gravitate towards them all the time and still do. They're one of my favourite animals. And we see, I've seen lots of them over the years and um, I really do enjoy looking after them. Oh, they're so cute. They really are. We have um, some on the farm here as well. So we've caught a little bit of footage, uh, one of our, people living in the farmhouse here has a wildlife camera that's actually working because my one wasn't working, but we've got pictures of the badgers and they're just adorable. Oh, they're amazing creatures and see, you know, we used to put the, the cameras on them in, in, when they're in rehabilitation and, you know, just watching them play with each other and mess and all, they're just fantastic creatures. Mm -hmm. they've, ha they've had a very bad rap because of TB, but in the Burren area, there's been, um, I don't know what you call it, but they've, they've done this particular um, way of lifting up the water troughs so that the badgers aren't drinking out of the water troughs and it's reduced uh, the spread of TB. So I don't know if that was badgers, small mammals or, or why that helped, but it seemed to have. 
Great, yeah, I hadn't hadn't heard of that. I guess TBs all mammals can have it, you know, from deers to rats, cats, you know, all that. So it's unfortunate um, that the badgers are always to blame. But thankfully, things are changing, and there's vaccinations and trials and stuff going on. So mm. hopefully, in the years to come, um, snaring will be made illegal, and um, the animals can get on with it. Yeah, there's a trial in our area, which is nice. So I'd say the badger is your favourite animal. I would say so. <laughs> Very you good. Know, have, yeah, I shouldn't have a favourite. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so have you had any profound experiences in nature or with the animals that you'd like to share with us? I guess... Um, I guess it's like kind of any time you would be having a hard time or quite stressful time, I would always go walking, you know, um, where my grandparents live. It was always a lovely, quiet spot and by canal and bog and woodlands and stuff. So I'd always get up early when I was staying there and, and go for a nice walk with the dogs. <clears throat> and I could spend hours there just looking around, listening to nature. And I always felt... Um, really peaceful after that and go back and uh, and be fine but I guess lots of people turn to nature and, and when their times are hard you know and I've always have uh, done that too. Lovely so where did your grandparents live at somewhere around Navan or around, no, around I'm actually from um, Kildare. Um, oh, from Kildare. Yeah so just outside uh, Munster Evan there a lovely place called Umrus and it's beautiful. Beautiful, very good. Um, so what, well, like the, one of the questions is what positive actions can we do to support nature? But if you want to uh, just change that to support wildlife, uh, had you had any thoughts about that question? Yeah, there's lots of stuff I guess we can do and, and where it really needs to start is at home. We can do lots of stuff in our own back gardens. It doesn't matter how big that garden is, there's stuff we can do for nature and that from, you know, leaving the grass and weeds to grow at the bottom of, or, or putting a, a small pond in or even some kind of basin even with water will help. And just making a hole in um, a fence is also a really good um, thing to help the hedgehogs and other small mammals and, and, and insects and stuff as well. So there's lots really we can do that, that can help nature. People often think they have to do something really big and, and bold to do that, but it's just small little things that we can do, even yeah. from recycling, yeah. So. Yeah, very good. And there's some things we shouldn't do as well. I know people tend to uh, rescue baby birds that may not need rescuing. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and explain to people when you actually need to rescue an animal? Yeah, so there's a lots of kind of um, misinformation about baby birds and stuff. So fledgling birds um, this time of year are leaving the nest and they can often land on the ground. They're only practicing how to fly or get used to their wings. So they're staying on the ground. Their parents are still feeding them and they're just, learning how to survive and, and live and people often mistake them for injured birds so they'll pick them up bring them home and then um, call somebody or even try and rehabilitate themselves and that's the stress of, to that animal can kill them within hours um, so the best thing to do really is and we always advise this to our helpline is to take a picture, take a video, monitor from a safe distance, send it into the helpline. We can have a look at that and, and know within a couple of minutes whether that animal needs to be rescued or not. But nine times out of 10, it's just a fledgling and it's fine if it's just left for another day or two. If you're really worried about 
about the animal you know unless it's on a road or something i wouldn't touch it but if um if it's in your garden you're worried about cats put it up somewhere high on a branch or even having a, a flower pot on its side and hanging it from a, a washing line and the bird can sit in that nice nice and safe cats can't uh, get up near it and then the parents will continue to feed it and when that that bird is a little bit stronger then it'll fly off Oh, that's a really good idea and that's very clear for people what to do so they can take a video and send it into you because there's other animals as well like little baby hares leverets and things that actually the mom might be coming back to feed and they're not necessarily abandoned and the seal pops we were talking to melanie croce the seal sanctuary you know the seal yeah. pops are left on the beach and people tend to think they've been abandoned but actually their mother's just gone off shopping for food for fish <laughs> on fishing and they so, come back and yeah and they're their babies are gone. Babies have gone to the seal sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's very clear. It's a good idea about hanging up the flower pot as well. Very, very good. Yeah. We always would encourage people to ring. We prefer people to ring and, and ask for advice. And, you know, even if it is okay, it's better to ring and, and look for that advice rather than just... Because I remember growing up, you know, even starting out when I set up even the wildlife unit when I was in Kildare, you know there was nobody picking up these animals they were just passing and they were just told by everyone just leave them there nature will take take over but these animals are in trouble because of humans and we need to step up and help these animals mm. and get them back you know and even you know getting one red squirrel female back into the wild she could go on to produce litters and help that species as well so a lot of people often say you shouldn't focus on individual animals it should be about species as a whole and um, but we kind of believe in in the whole thing you know if you help one individual then that animal could back, go out there and, and help the species absolutely and then there's different um amounts of care that the different animals need obviously i think the baby otters have to be cared for for quite a long time um is that correct and then you can't obviously make them too friendly with humans because humans are a danger to them so there's a bit of a balance there between looking after them and not making them into a pet exactly yeah the otters we could have up to a year so that's a long rehabilitation process expensive one too um but yeah, it's so we generally try to have animals that are getting intense um, hand rearing to maybe one or two cares so that they don't imprint on everyone. Whereas if you know, every few hours someone else was feeding someone else, we'd, they would just get used to people that way. And, you know, a tame animal in the wild is, is a dead animal. But, you know, it's, they're going to come up to someone, they're going to get killed or get hurt. So the temptation is there. And a lot of new volunteers would just want to cuddle them and talk to them and and it is we all do we all want to comfort these animals and help them but uh, sadly with wildlife it, it, it would be the wrong thing to do so we generally hold them for and comfort them for feeding toileting and cleaning but that is it we just we don't talk around them don't have phones radios etc around so it's feed them and put them back and that might seem strange to people sometimes but um it is event that's the right thing to do for that animal because the ultimate goal is to get them back out into the wild to live their lives and breed mm, that's the safest thing to do i did hear that the otters really haven't got any common sense for about a year um they need their parents with them for a year because they make very bad decisions so that's is that true <laughs> Yeah, like they do. Yeah, they do. And um, they're actually otters are one of the easiest ones to tame as well. So we have to be really, really careful and put extra precautions in place to uh, 
to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm. I did see um, once uh, some other sanctuary, I think it might have been in America, but people were dressing up in sort of hazmat suits so that you couldn't see they were a human going into some of the otters to feed them so that they wouldn't become imprinted. But anyway, they're so, so cute. It's very hard not to cuddle those. It is very hard. <laughs> um, have you any nature books that you'd like to recommend for people? Um, I guess it was always into the practical stuff, all the identification guides and stuff um, and different ones. And I'd always have one little pocket size one and like bringing it around with me when I was going and I'd, I'd be out and I'd see a bird that I might not know and I'd go home and read my book and then I'd want to find everything about that um, bird or mammal or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, keep reading, bring your identification books and now you can even just have apps on your phone, which is really good or if listen to bird songs and stuff on it so there's lots more available and encourage people to you know get out there and try and identify as many birds as possible and, and just look look up rather than down on our phones that's so true look up rather than down yeah. um do you have a particular app that you use or could recommend uh, i don't actually no um okay. I, I now when i go on a walk i just try just go on a walk and totally leave it back and um, because a lot of my work is on the phone advising people or helping volunteers and stuff so I try to to take time out yeah so maybe a book in your pocket might be better for sure. exactly. yeah so if you had a magic wand what would you like to do for the planet that's um, a difficult question it really is it's a tough There's one a um a lot that we like to do but um you can do a few things and you have power to do whatever you like so go for it Great. Um, yeah, I guess with hope, with renewable energy, I think that would be one thing, just all of a sudden try and get that all up and running and, and making um, the planet more greener. Um, God, there's so much that we could do. As I said, starting from home, you know, doing little bits at home, you know, and starting there and then working out um, words, you know, um, and help, you know, volunteer with a wildlife rescue or volunteer with a tidy towns or, you know, beach cleanup, river cleanups. Get involved in all those type of projects and um, just start off small and, you know, people together make a huge difference. So I would always encourage people just to, to get out there and get involved in, in the community. So true. Uh, we'll put some of those links in the notes as well, the tidy towns. And I think there's clean coasts and, and different organisations. If anybody's listening, then please send us a message if you want any of your um, organisations listed as well. Um, so, so what's your? Are you on tonight now, or are you off tonight, Dan? I've I've just finished um, <laughs> the day shift, so I am on call though. Um, oh. Yeah. So you are you the one that carries the phone most of the time, taking yeah. queries? Yeah, at the moment. So. Um, the people would text or whatever looking for our helpliners if they needed any information or did notify us here at the hospital if there was an animal coming in. So as I said, the interns were only here two months now, so not very long. So we're still training up volunteers and stuff as well. So we're getting there and um, we've a bigger, we've a fantastic team here. You know, it's just like we're blown away by the support to be honest and, and the people as well as the pe volunteers here we have a, a wildlife response team 
and they're a group of 60 people who've been trained to transport and rescue wildlife from all over the country. So we get a call into our helpline, we put it onto our WhatsApp group. There's a fox cub um, injured in Cork, can anyone help? And a volunteer there will pick it up. It might need to be vet assessed then and a relay will start to come up to country. Um, and then the animal will be looked after here at the team and then brought back to where it goes. And often as well, we get a call in a county like Clare for Bev Trust, who's a good friend of mine and a good rehabilitator down there. She might take the animal in and um, get it stable and then we would transfer it up here or vice versa if we needed to get something down to her or to Susan or there's many of them around the country that help, you know, support as well. So um, we all... We all club in and help each other out. It's wonderful to know there's such a great system looking after the wildlife. It really is. And you obviously have a vet you can call on as well when you need. He might be quite busy, is he or she? We have, we have a, again, another team of kind of vets that we work with. <laughs> again, around the country or local ones as well, where we, you know, if we got in an emergency case, they would come and, and help us with that animal. And vet, we have vet nurses here who volunteer most days. We've one or two of them as well so it's just a joint you know everybody brings skills to to the team you know from carpentry to animal care to admin fundraising all that comes together to make this huge uh huge hospital you know amazing teamwork it really is and you're so young Do you, can you tell us a little bit about what you did today as as just a snapshot of what you're doing and it's, I know it's the end of a long day. It's, it's half seven in the evening now, so poor Dan. <laughs> Let him go in a minute, but it's just so, so interesting, fascinating. Yeah, so the day starts at um, quarter to eight. So we, I'd have a handover from the person who was on overnight and just tell us how the night went, what came in, what, what's improving, what maybe needs uh, extra care. Then we do a... A walk around just see how the animals are all doing we start then feeding all the baby birds again cleaning the baby birds so we always work from the sickest and the youngest they're always looked after first and then we work up to the ones that are outside pre-release as well and then we have a team meeting at 10 o'clock and see how everybody's doing what needs to be done for the day and then everybody could go back to work and, and does. But uh, we always plan our days out, but then we might get loads of animals in and or something else might happen. So that's all our plans uh, <laughs> scarpered for one day. But yeah, generally it's feeding, cleaning, medicating. You know, as I said, we're trying to improve um, the stables here and the enclosures we have. We're building permanent enclosures as well. We've got a waterfowl um enclosure which is our first permanent one here and that's just finished that's huge that's going to be absolutely huge for our swans and ducks and gulls um, and then we're we have other enclosures to build so each day there's so much going on here and um, you know so oh, it's hard to excellent. put it all into one yeah <laughs> but, and then um yeah and as i said people are here all the time from night to day um, yeah, so it's great. Oh. Did you have any admissions today? New admissions? Yeah, we actually, it was quite admission wise. Um, we had a hedgehog, poor hedgehog come in that was attacked by a dog. That's lots of blood and stuff, but he's more he's stable now and curled up after he got his meds and warmed up. We had a couple of baby birds come in. 
sadly they were caught by cats and and that's a huge uh, another huge thing that we see is is cats um catching these birds and, and other small mammals and they're bringing them home that we don't know where they're coming from and then they have to come to the hospital and it's really important that these animals get antibiotics and help straight away even if there's no obvious injuries um, on them they just need to have a course of antibiotics but um, sadly in the last two weeks I've just seen so many baby birds come in and dying within an hour or two of, of um, being admitted and it's really disheartening to see and, and the team as well kind of you know you do get upset even though we don't try not to get attached to these animals but it's when something can be preventable you know so keeping our cats in um, you know at night time or before you know and letting them out during the day or building a casio having extra bells on your collars lots that we can do um as cat owners to to help our our wildlife you know because they're already in enough enough trouble from habitat destruction and stuff on the roads but our own pets now causing problems as well we need to kind of be able to to do something about that so. yeah well that's a very good message it's very very upsetting to hear that and i think the cat saliva i was looking on your facebook page it's poisonous to animals so even if they have a tiny little bite they need they need antibiotics that's it um, yeah these animals are just so small dan thank you so much we're going to let you finish your day now having been on a 12-hour shift <laughs> practically starting at eight um Thank you so much. You've given us some great information and we'll put everything in the show notes uh, so people can contact you, help in any way they can and know what to do without putting too much extra stress on your staff, you know, how to send a video and, and things like that. So thank you so much and to all the team for what you've done. It really is marvellous. We'll support thank you in any way have. we can. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Nature Magic, a positive voice for nature from Ireland. We're delighted to announce the Fairy Pig Walks are back up and running at the Borough Nature Sanctuary. This year, as the cafe is closed, we have added a picnic, which we deliver to the Gypsy Wagon Shelter. Amelia, the Juliana Pig, continues on her streak of five-star reviews. These are her last two reviews. From Paulina and Frederico. Thanks so much for having us and showing us that there's still people who show compassion for animals. It was a magical moment. I loved every single part of the experience. My first time walking a pig is one of the happiest moments in my life. The picnic was wow. Thanks so much, Paulina and Frederica. And from Amelia with an A. Amelia provided us with such a great experience. Such a lovely informative tour about the area. Amelia is the sweetest little piggy. The picnic we were provided with was absolutely delicious and to have it in such an amazing spot was such a treat. We will definitely be back. We will be recommending this experience to all our friends. Find the Fairy Pig Walk picnic on Airbnb Experiences. Thank you.